namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo, namo myoho renge kyo. Hello friends, good for you, your practice. I hope this finds you in good health and secure. Um, thank you for your emails and your comments. It's very important to me that I stay connected to your needs. My whole reason for creating these resources uh, has been to uh, encourage your aspiration for Buddhaness, to increase your confidence, your resolve, your determination to take over your samsaric controlled life in this Saha world with the clarity of your Buddha mind. Don't kid yourself, it takes effort. It's not just magical, right? That's the thing about Buddhism. There's no magic in it. It is experiential. And in order to experience anything, certainly to experience fully the potential that exists, requires effort, right? Buying a soccer ball does not make you an excellent soccer player, right? Just like having a vegan meal doesn't undo every piece of meat you've ever eaten in your life. You have to understand that some things will change very quickly as you practice namo myoho You invoke your buddhaness. And right away, those subtle little things that you do that are just a part of what you do without really thinking about it, they change very quickly and you go and you experience it and you go, man, this is an amazing practice. But then at some point you're going to start working on things that you have spent years. How many hours, how many minutes, how many, how many seconds of your day? Remember a moment It's like 0 0.52 zeros. Point five or not point five point point fifty two zeros then a five fraction of a second. How many moments has your samsaric mind been reinforcing the same habits, the same tendencies, the same conditions? And now you're going to chant once and psh, enlightenment. <laughs> it comes. It comes in spurts, right? Different karma requires different replacement. Remember, we're not just jumping from one reality to another. We are replacing our engine of life that is constantly, moment to moment, reestablishing our freight train of karma, our amalgam of karma, our tendencies and conditions. Albeit with the influence of our countless decisions in mind that we are making about our lives. Life-affirming decisions, life-disaffirming decisions, entrenched habit decisions. Hmm? Yes, some of it happens quickly, some of it not so much. Some of it's been going on so much in our lives that it's actually changed our, our physical 
being, our internal organs. You know this. You know this from getting a sunburn or a rash, right? But those are very short time periods. I know it doesn't seem like it at the time, right? Kalpas. <laughs> it took 10 medium kalpas for me to heal my sunburns, <laughs> right? It feels that way. But boy, that big bowl of ice cream with sugar, with uh, caramel and bananas and all sorts of stuff all over it, nuts and chocolate chunks in there. And boy, that reward is so fast. Well, we think of it samsarically as a reward, but what's it doing ultimately? How have we convinced ourselves samsarically that that is happiness? That's the kind of question, as Buddhists, we need to observe in ourselves. And when we begin to deeply understand those mechanisms, I'm talking early Buddhist teachings here, right? Then it becomes obvious when we see it in others. Oh, I know what that's like. Oh, I know that habit's not going to change easily. They don't even know what they're doing to themselves. Hmm? Could you imagine how Shakyamuni Buddha felt with all of those around him? And we've been reading in chapter 3, his continuing dialogue with Shariputra has morphed more and more away from Shakyamuni and Shariputra to Shakyamuni and what Shariputra represents all the bodhisattvas in the assembly and more. Hmm? And he's talking about the retributions, the retributions, repercussions of not controlling with our amazing discoveries for ourselves how we expose others to this, right? You remember how hard it was for you to do a certain thing in your practice and to break through and replace that version of you with the enlightened version of you not an easy task. It's a replacement because it's an ongoing process. Do you see? You don't simply say, that's the old me, now here's the new me. No, the new me has to slowly convince the old me to quiet down. Remember the monkey mind? Quiet down. Let me nurture you into a better place. Now, after all of this retraining, you can put that samsaric mind to bed, go to sleep, night-night. <sighs> now I can truly be this new me. It takes time. It takes effort. So you walk into that doorway and you go, hey, you need to change this. This is how you do it. Just chant. And many will look at you like, I'll take two of whatever you're on, dude. <laughs> right? You can't just smack people over the head with this. You have to do the same thing you did to yourself. Okay, look, this is going to take some effort. I know a way forward for you. If you're willing to put in the work. 
No, thanks anyway, but I'm just going to live my life. Let it go. Okay. When you're ready, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody's disinterested, they're not going to hear you. And worse, if you push it, they'll think, oh, you're one of those people. Get lost. Now they've made resistance and made a bad cause about helping themselves. And even when they come to the point where they go, man, I need help with this. The last person they're going to call is you. Because you're the one they put up the most resistance against. So this is what we just got through talking about, right? So he's cautioning us. He's saying, look, this is a powerful practice. And you're going to be stunned by how much it changes your life. But you're also going to have to learn how to respect the effort it took for you to get here. Remember, he's talking to people who've been practicing 40 years. <laughs> Don't forget that. So if you persist in being an overzealot maniac, you're going to incur just as much as you're causing some really bad repercussions. This works both. This is a real truth. This isn't mad. You, know, you don't sprinkle dust on this and it's all better. You have to be responsible. You have to understand that this process, and you should because of all the effort you're putting into it, that it's a, a respectful process, that you need to respect the process. It doesn't happen overnight. Yes, chanting awakens your Buddha eye immediately. But the, the wisdom that comes of experiencing that clarity, it has to meld with your process moment to moment to moment and influence your entire freight train amalgam of karma to affect your samsara, your sa saha life as a bodhisattva. It takes time. So give it time. Not just for yourself, but those to whom you expose to it. Right? All right, let's continue. I have, if any, have ever seen hundreds of thousands of kodas of Buddhas, cultivated many roots of goodness, and been firm in their innermost minds. To such people as these, then you may teach it. That's quite a, a high bar. Not one we commonly hear in our world today, but think about that. If you're going to approach somebody, then know who you're approaching. This is why I always say there's no need to approach others because your life, as it becomes more and more radiant in Buddha-ness, you will pull people out of the woodwork, people you don't even know. will come. To, I've had people come up to me in grocery stores, I've talked about this before, and question me about Namo Myo Renge Kyo. 
and it makes me smile and laugh because I think, how did this person come to identify me as somebody to ask not just about Buddhism, mind you, but Namo Myo Renge Kyo? What kind of magic is that? Oh, 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 oh I see. I, right? You practice for a little while and you see why people ask that question. And the first thing I have to disabuse them of is uh, it's not about magic. It's what their magic words. No, 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 no. They're, they're sounds. And because we make those sounds with our mouth and tongue, right away we think language, but it's not language. It's a language like math is a language. Like, like, uh, uh, like any discipline is a language. But it's not a spoken language. It's, a, it's an invoked language. It's a Dharani. How do you explain that to somebody who has no idea? Oop, got to back off, got to slow down. Right? Yeah, it's not easy. But if that person came up to me in a grocery store and asked about Namo Myon and Geikyo, that is one curious son of a gun. This is a courageous person. They may be confronting me and wanting to disprove. Makes it all the more important that I do not respond as Sylvain the human, as Sylvain the fixer. Oh, I'll fix you. Here, let me teach you what you don't know. To somebody, that may be of a good spirit. It may be of a very nurturing desire to help others. But that's not bodhisattva desire. That's selfish desire. I can fix you. That's not the way to approach somebody who doesn't know. Because what they hear is, you arrogant so-and-so. You think you know better than me. You think you're better than me. You think you can fix me? I know what you are. You've just set up battle, li battle lines. But boy, our samsaric self is so confident that we can fix everybody. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let your experience and knowledge of Buddhism answer. Be Nichiren. Nichiren told us, be Nichiren. Shakyamuni, do as I do. Accomplish the way as I have accomplished the way. Right? This is, people miss this all the time. Don't use your brilliant mind. Use your compassionate Buddha mind. All of this training, all of this reading is to retrain our mind into answering those deep, entrenched, deeper than cellular, deeper than DNA habits, tendencies, conditions. And the only one that can do it is the person doing it. You can't teach somebody how to do it for themselves. You can only teach them how to set about looking into themselves to figure that out. Buddhism and Buddha come from within. 
You can't sp spork it in there. <laughs> if any have zealously progressed, constantly maintained kindly hearts, and never spared body and life, then you may teach it to them. Because they're demonstrating an ability that only comes of self-circumspection, insight, aspiration for goodness, yeah? If any have been reverent with unvarying mind, having left all the ignorant and dwelt alone in the mountains and swamps to such people as these, then you may teach it. Now, does that mean that that's what you need to do to practice, is go live in a swamp? No, he's addressing Pratyaka Buddhas, because that's kind of their thing. At 2,700 years ago, there's still people today who think that solace in a mountain, being a hermit, that must be the answer. Even the samurai, remember, they used to call it Satori. They retire up into the hills, live off the berries and the land, in search of that mental solace. But that's an imperfect nirvana, right? We know that now. This teaching is teaching us that now. The way to attain perfect enlightenment is to be amongst the people, right? Stones rubbing against each other, polishing each other. Sangha. Again, Shariputra Shakyamuni says, if you see any who give up bad friends and make friends of the good to such people as these, then you may teach it. How many friends have we had growing up in our lives who we've had to learn for ourselves? I can't hang around with that guy anymore. I can't be over at What's-Her-Face's house all the time. I notice how I don't... Don't blame them. I notice how I don't become a person I'm not happy being when I'm around them. Is it their fault? You haven't learned. Is it your fault for letting them? Your influences are yours. You may say they influence you, but the truth is they're your tendencies and conditions that enjoy being around them because they give you permission for the bad behavior. It's always ourselves. Don't blame others. They're just facilitators, right? All you 12-steppers, you know what I'm talking about. But you can't look at them and go, ah, oh, she's a facilitator. What's she facilitating? Something you already own. The problem is what you own, not their facilitating. You gravitated to them because you love being facilitated. <laughs> so when you see somebody like that, move away from a certain group of friends and make more nurturing friends, people they can aspire to in an odd way, in other words, aspire to better qualities in themselves, therefore surrounding themselves with people who seem to display those qualities. And they'll change. They'll change over time. Yeah. 
Well, that person obviously is aware of their own foibles and seeking to ameliorate themselves. Well, that's the kind of person you want to teach Namul Myorengekyo because they're going to get it. They're going to eat it up. They're going, oh, why has it been so long before I could encounter this? Yeah, that's propagation. If you see Buddha sons who keep the commands or comportments in purity, commands? Where did that come from? Got to change that. Sounds too much like religion. Like pure bright jewels who seek the great vehicle sutra to such people as these, then you may teach it. Yeah. If any be free from irascibility or upright character and patient, always compassionate to all beings and reverent to the Buddhas, to such people as these, then you may teach it. It's kind of ironic. He's saying that teaching this ultimate teaching of Buddhism, should you should have reservations about it. Basically, he's teaching, respect the depth of the profundity of this teaching, right? What did we read before? Profound, profound, and profound. If that teaching, if this teaching is so profound, you don't just want to spray paint it on the walls of buildings, do you? You want this teaching to reach those who are of seeking minds, who are already geared to accomplishing a better self, right? They just need guidance. That showed you, my friends. Further, if there are uh, there be Buddha sons who, which is all of us, right? Sons and daughters of Buddha, Tathagata, engine of life, yeah. So if any sentient mind, who in the general assembly with pure hearts, by various reasonings, parables, and expressions, expound the law without hesitation to such people as these, then you may teach it. Basically, people of good character, right? They may not have all the answers, but they're hoping to either find them or share them, right? If there be bhikshus who, for the sake of perfect knowledge, seek the law in every direction, ta-da, folding their hands in profound reverence, only pleased to receive and keep the Great Vehicle Sutra, even without accepting a single verse of any other sutra to such people as these, then you may teach it. Wow, that was a big sentence right there. It's not that the other sutras are no good, but as far as seeking enlightenment, this is the sutra. The others may be informational to lead you to this sutra, but if you accept them as the answer, wrong. This has been the problem all along. Now I'm teaching the Lotus Sutra because you need to let go of all those provisional teachings as your method of enlightenment. 
They're fine. You know all of that. That knowledge should now be applied to this method, this instantaneous invocation of Buddhahood. If you still think that the Tripitaka will take you to enlightenment, sorry, my friend, you don't understand. And to try to get into an argument with those people, it's not going to create any value. It's just going to entrench them deeper in their misunderstandings. It's Yes, it's sad, but they have to come to you. Right? What's the old saying? Beating a dead horse? Yeah, it's a harsh criticism. But it is what it is. The horse ain't gonna get up. If it gets up, oh then, by all means, lavish attention upon it. Hmm. Like a man who, with all of his mind, seeks for the Buddha's relics, so those who seek the sutra and have obtained it receive it and profound with profound reverence, and who are not again bent on seeking other sutras, and also have never minded books of other philosophies, hmm? to such people as these, then you may teach it. I say to you, Shariputra, were I to speak in detail of all these kinds of seekers after the Buddha way, in a whole kapa, I could not finish. There is plenty of people that can use your assistance. Don't throw your time away on people who will not only not get it, but cause res more resistance against it. Why would you do that? Mm. This is a big caution, this chapter. Such people as these are able to accept and discern you should to them teach the sutra of the flower of the wonderful law, the Sadharma Pundarika Sutra. Hmm? The Threefold Lotus Sutra. So I have a long annotation here. I think it is important to remember an overriding fact here as we continue this sutra. These first nine chapters of the lotus and even its prologue of the innumerable meanings are greatly focused on the actual fact that the central tenets and teachings of Shakyamuni have never actually changed. It is true that the teachings introduced new depths uh, of consideration as they were taught over time and that additional concepts and methods were constantly introduced. But the aim and goal never changed. Instead, and what is made abundantly obvious here, is the capacity of the students for understanding meaning over words. See the Lankavatara Sutra. The commitment to let go, quote-unquote, of cherished traditions and willingness to endure and aspire to the stated goal of Buddhahood in this lifetime is explicit. The Tripitaka, which tells us to avoid this Lotus Sutra as misleading and incomplete, now includes the Lotus Sutra without the prologue and epilogue, 
as part of its canon with highly influenced translations from early Buddhist teachings. Don't be fooled. The only true fundamental obstacle is the infantilism of reincarnation. This is eloquently explained in the parable of the apparitional or conjured city, the imagined respite of a city mistaken as the final goal is tempting to adhere to, and yet it is only a respite, a brief time of recharging one's commitment and preparing for the last mile, to pursue the ultimate goal in order to live this life to the full. It takes courage to follow a path to its completion. Ask an Olympian, ask a winner of the Nobel Prize, this is a powerful practice with the ultimate goal of living this lifetime with profound amazement, dignity, and respect for all life. The Lotus Sutra is a testament to that goal. And uh, now we'll move on to chapter four, Resolve and Discernment. Chapter three. Very, very strong, profound chapter. One that we don't talk about enough. Everyone knows the parable of the burning house, but to me, the discussion with Shariputra emphasizes the way to practice and propagate this sutra the proper way, with dignity and respect, to propagate this sutra. It's not necessarily easily found in the parable itself, but all of the dialogue around it makes it quite clear, don't you think? And now, out of that, the fourth chapter is going to dive into resolve and discernment, the most important part of dignity, respect, our practice and how meaningful it is. Yeah. So that's what we'll start on next. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Uh, I know <laughs> I have to share something with you. I think it's kind of funny. Um, my benefactor here, Sandra said, I should make a, should have a t-shirt made of this saying, um, I have to thank one of you for for saying it in an email or a comment. It might be in a comment. I in, in one of the uh, I notice sometimes that my videos don't all get I get likes, but I also get dislikes. And that you know, I am unadulterated Nichiren Shakyamuni. This is what this means. Granted, it's from my life experience, my own train, my own path, my Buddha way. And I express it as clearly and honestly as I can, because in some way it's going to resonate with you. That's my, my belief, my trust, my... <sighs> the more voices like my own that are truthful, honest, and seeking at a depth beyond rhetoric, beyond biases, who really want to transmit the correct path, 
the the path through Nietzsche's insights and all scholarship, the more voices like mine, the more we will resonate throughout the world with those who grasp their own insights based on our own. For some of you, occasionally, I see the numbers go up and down all the time, I'm going to burst some bubbles. <laughs> I'm going to, well, what are you saying now? Somebody? And they may not get what I'm saying. And that's okay. What I encourage those of you who feel that way to do is to stick with me for a while. Because it, it's, it's like I heard an artist say one time, if you walk into a museum or a gallery and uh, you see a piece of work, an artwork, a painting, and it makes you go, what the, what the hell is that? That's, that's bothering me. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Go through the rest of the exhibition, you know, have lunch and go back and look at it again. Because if it's disturbing you for whatever reason, it means that there's something there. You know, and in our societies in the world today, we're very much of the give it up and or say what we want and repercussions, consequences, not so much. We don't give a crap. I don't like that. Pfft, walk away. You're only diminishing yourself. All experience is valid. So if something I say hits you wrong, maybe go back and listen to it again. Or maybe listen around it. Or maybe listen to something else that I say. And perhaps you'll come back to what was disturbing you and see that I didn't mean what you thought I mean. That my way of expression is a little foreign to you. And by listening to it again or listening to more of what I have to say, You'll come back to that. Oh, there he goes talking about that again. Wait a minute. Maybe he means this. And you will be doing the work of honing your Buddha path. That's why I put myself out here. So I encourage you, stick with it. Don't be immediately turned off. But, you know, if that's what happens, that's what happens. Anyway, this uh, this member <laughs> called me the bubble-bursting bodhisattva. Uh, no, that's right, because I'm in the Bible Belt. He said, uh, bu bubble-bursting Bible Belt bodhisattva. <laughs> that's so clever. <laughs> I still laugh about that. And as I said, my... Uh, my benefactor said I should have a t-shirt made with that on it. <laughs> Bubble bursting Bible Bent Bodhisattva. <laughs> uh, look, I, you know, have a good laugh on me. That's fine. Um, I just want to encourage your practice. Yeah. And don't let something I say suddenly uh, throw the whole thing away. Hear me out. And, you know, maybe you, you watch several videos and you just make up your mind, this guy isn't for me. That's that's fair. That's fair. I, maybe in a year I will be. Maybe I'll never be. Just stay focused on your practice. Hmm. If that's the only thing you get out of me, 
Be confident. Your practice will bring you to Buddhahood, yeah? And uh, with that, I will let you go. Uh, there are tons of links in the uh, description for the bookstore, the mandala store, the free podcast, the, the website. Please check out the website. There's so much free information there. Um, and it, it, some, one of you is talking to me right now about taking on some, um, some responsibilities with regard, uh, maintaining the website and, and all of the study material and so forth is a large task for which I need to really express my gratitude to those of you who can, uh, support this effort, whether it's just liking and subscribing, uh, which helps us grow the Sangha or, uh, buying ebooks, print books, so on and so forth. Uh, patrons. <laughs> I simply just couldn't do any of this or not much of it without your assistance. So Namo Mjolnir Geiko, thank you profoundly. Um, but uh, I have somebody, I've, I've been looking for years for somebody as a pseudo protege kind of, somebody to take this endeavor over for quantum life Buddhism and this this uh, this scholarship of this school, I haven't found anyone. But there's somebody, uh, one of you, who's decided that uh, for themselves uh, they would like to take some of that on in the form of doing uh, home meetings and uh, promulgating, you know, this school of thought about Nichiren, Shakyamuni, the Lotus Sutra. And that is, that's amazing and exciting. Uh, but as I'm always telling you guys, uh, we're going to proceed slowly because it's not a small cause. It's a big, big deal. Um, and I started uh, months ago, last year, suggesting watch parties. You know, if you want to get together with a friend or even... You by yourself, but with a friend, somebody who's interested or practicing alongside of you and uh, watch a video together so that you can then hash it out with each other. Maybe you watch it several times to get through, f figure out where I'm stumbling and figure out what's working for you guys. And then you can ask questions in the comments. That's spectacular. That would be amazing. It's one suggestion, though. I don't pretend to know every way that you can use these podcasts or videos. Uh, I, I treat myself like I'm in your house as a, as a guest. And so some of you have commented that, it, that that's what these videos feel like. Well, good. Tremendous. So have a friend come over or two friends or three friends or whatever. Do your daimoku. Do an abbreviated gongyo once through. And then in the guest portion of your, your, uh, your meeting, your get-together, your uh, sharing, let's watch a video. And then we'll talk about it. And then we'll close with some daimoku. And then we'll have, I don't know, hors d'oeuvres in the kitchen a bowl of curry, or we'll just say goodnight, safe trip home, 
whatever. You have your informal get-together, and uh, this absolves you in a way of having to be the one where information is coming from. There's a, a different foreign source, and that way people are free to communicate, and you can have some really interesting conversations, yeah? I encourage you to do that. This person I'm talking about is wanting to host this kind of session, let's call it. She's been for years and years in her life a nurse, somebody who likes to help others. And that's wonderful. You don't have to be a nurse to do this. In fact, my caution is always going to be, don't be the fixer. Right? We just read about that in the third chapter. Read that chapter. Take it to heart. It's not about being a fixer. It's about being a guidance. A guidance for somebody else's path. And therefore, what should come to mind is what would Nichiren say? What would Shakyamuni say? How, would, how does Buddhism address this? It's fascinating how many times I come back to the Four Noble Truths. Because that's what we're struggling with in samsara. Anyway, it's a large task. I have deep respect for my experience with it. And I share it as honestly as I can. Simply to foster an aspiration for Buddhahood and a confidence in your practice. So I hope in my small way I'm contributing to that. Yeah? Take care of your health. It affects your practice. <laughs> Stay strong. Savor it. And I will see you in the next one.